yourself. You've got to pull yourself up sometimes out of the mud, out of the muck, out of the, 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 the pit and shake yourself and say, I am going to bless the Lord today. I am going to rise and I'm going to serve Jesus. Amen? You've got to live with some encouragement and hope. Sometimes it doesn't come from the people. Sometimes the people around you can be discouraging. Anybody ever figure that out? Sometimes church, sometimes your family, sometimes your friends, they can be discouraging and you've got to encourage yourself. When there ain't nobody else, David's men were trying to kill him. Right? I mean, they've been ransacked. Their, their wives and their children have been taken as hostages. They've been out to battle. David led them to battle, and while they were gone, they, they got sacked. They come home, and their houses are a wreck. Their children are all gone, and the men are wanting to kill David. The Bible says David encouraged himself. Amen? Get up, O soul. Amen? You got a lion on the inside. Everything's falling apart around you, but greater, there's a lion. Greater is he who's on the inside of you than he that is in the world. Amen? There's something on the inside of us. There's a living hope on the inside, and we got to stir that. We have to stir that. Amen? Everything in life, everything in life requires it. That's why you don't want to get, I'll be honest, you don't, you don't, you don't want to get up and come to church on Sunday morning. Sometimes I don't want to come to church on Sunday morning. Am I, am I being honest? Am I telling the truth? And we have to get up. It reminds me of the, the guy who woke up in the morning and, and told his wife, I don't want to go to church this morning. And she said, you have to. You're the pastor. <laughs> right? You don't want to get here on time. You have to make a decision. Right? We have to make some cold-blooded decisions. I will serve the Lord. I will get into the Bible every day. I will commune with God every single day. I will bless the Lord every single day. I will worship and praise his name. I'm going to the house. When it's Sunday morning, I'm going to the house of the Lord. I'm going to show up, and I'm going to make a contribution. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to bless the Lord. You have to make a determination to be a witness. It doesn't come naturally to witness to people, right? Everything in your flesh is fighting against you to, to, to be a witness to folks. Everything in your flesh is, is fighting you to worship, to praise, to give, to serve. Everything in your flesh is fighting you. And you have to speak to your soul, encourage yourself, and rise above all that. Amen? I'll be, I'll be honest. When, I, when my flesh governs me, I am hopeless and helpless. But when I can speak and allow the Spirit of God to rise in me and, and that governs me, that is what's motivating, that's what's fueling me, not the desires and the whims of this old nasty, stinky flesh, but it's the Spirit of God that's directing the course of my life, there's great hope. There is great hope. There's great hope. There is encouragement. Some of you need hope. Let's be honest. How many of you need some hope this morning? How many of you look at your finances, you need some hope? You look at the economy, you need some hope. You look at the political situation, you need some hope. You look at your kids, you need hope. You look at your grandkids, you need hope. I'll be honest, I have a lot of hope. I've got hope for the church. I've got hope for the next generation. I'll tell you what, you want, you want some hope? Let me give you some hope for the next generation. Look at Noah Hayes. Look at Jensen Hayes. Look at Nathan Hayes. Look at Bethan Hayes. Look at, look at that... Austin back there sitting in the sound booth. When the, being around these young men gives me hope for the next generation. Amen? We've got some good young people that are serving the Lord. They're choosing to bless the Lord. And that gives me encouragement. That gives me a hope. I've got hope. But you know where my hope really is anchored? Not in what I've seen. It's in Jesus. That's right. And, and Timothy, 
And, and uh, it's 2 Timothy, 1 Timothy, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 1. Timothy says, Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. Jesus is our hope. We talk about that a lot in the holiday season. We put it up on our walls and pictures. We put it on our Christmas tree, little ornaments that say hope. We send out Christmas cards that say hope. I, I looked through a list of, of Christmas songs this week, and so many of them are hope. The hope of Christmas, when hope came down, hope was born this night, the hope of Israel. These are the titles of Christmas songs. How many of you remember that, that line from, I think it's Noel, the, the, the uh, what, what is it, the thrill of hope? A weary world rejoices. We talk about hope a lot at Christmas, but in reality, a lot of people are hopeless. You know, a lot of times, I preached a message a long, long time ago when I was a young evangelist, 22 plus years ago, called Krispy Kreme Christians. It was when Krispy Kreme donuts was really spreading across the United States. It was becoming a big thing. The Hot donuts, sign flashing in the window. I preached a message called Krispy Kreme Christians. And in that, I talked about how Christians, they come to church all dressed up, suited up. I mean, we, at Sunday best, we put our best face on, and then we walk out and go to the restaurant, and the reality is we're depressed. So many Christians living without hope. And there's plenty of reason to, to despair. There's plenty of reason for us to lose heart. When we look around the world and what's going on, when we look at a generation, when we look at a political climate, when we look at economics, when we look at employment rates, I mean, there's all kinds of things that can steal our hope. But where is our hope? It has to be in Jesus. When I, when I look at our climate today, economically, politically, so many different ways, it, it reminds me of the climate, the culture politically, economically, so many ways of what was going on in Jesus' day. How many of you get tired of paying taxes? Taxes are out of control. I, I actually read a report earlier this morning. I was reading, and there, there's a, a report that I read that said that Europe is instituting now a carbon tax. You're going to have to pay for every carbon block or credit, whatever it is that you spend in, in, the, in, in Europe, the European Union. They're now going to tax everybody for their carbon emissions. More tax, like we're not already paying enough tax. And that was one thing that was going on during the time of, of the coming of Christ. The, the, the first advent, there was, there was government control. There was lockdown. In fact, uh, Rome had come in. They, 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 uh, they controlled Israel. And the, and the hope, when we talk about hope in the context of, of advent, of the coming of Christ, it, it was the hope. Israel's hope was that their king would come and overthrow that system, would over, overthrow that government. And a big part of the reason that people missed Christ was because they were hoping in the wrong thing. They did not recognize the promise of God. They, I mean, they, they, these folks were studied in the scriptures. These folks were studied in all the prophecies about the coming Messiah, yet they missed him. I mean, greatly. They, I mean, they, they whiffed on Jesus. They missed his coming. They missed their Messiah in great measure because they had their hope in the wrong thing. Jesus didn't come to set up a political kingdom. 
He came to set up his kingdom. And it was a kingdom that they didn't understand this. They came by faith in the hearts of men. Today, the kingdom of God is extended throughout all of the earth. And much of Israel has missed that because it's a kingdom of faith established everywhere in the heart of men. Right? What are we hoping for? What, what is hope? Yes, Jesus is our hope, as it says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. It's Titus chapter 2, verse 13 says, We are looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So there's a hope of a second coming, a second advent. He is going to appear, appear again, and this time he will indeed set his kingdom on planet Earth. He is going to make everything new. He's going to bring redemption into its fullness. We are going to experience the fullness of God's plan, the fulfillment of God's plan. The fullness of what Jesus did upon the cross is going to be manifest on planet Earth. And Jesus himself is going to set up his throne in Israel, and he is going to rule and reign over this planet. And everything is going to be made new. Every system, every government, every structure, every element, I believe, of this planet is going to be transformed and made new. That's our, ultimately our, our great hope. Amen? What, what is hope? Hope is a, is a very powerful thing. I witnessed this with, with my father in 2014, early in, in 2014, around Easter time, actually, my father was diagnosed with cancer, terminal cancer, stage four. At that point, it had already eaten a, a lot of his abdomen, got down into his legs, vital organs were, were consumed with cancer at this point, and the prognosis was, was grim. And I watched and saw in my dad the powerful effect that hope has. Despite what was going on in his body, he was told by a doctor that there was a treatment. It was experimental, but it might help him. And I went and he began to go through the, these treatments. And I began to see my dad transform physically. A man who had been worn down. I mean, he had lost tens of pounds. I don't know how much he had lost. Lost a lot of weight. We could tell that he was sick. But I watched this man's countenance transform after these treatments. Guess what? The treatments were doing absolutely no good in his physical body. But the hope, my father thought they were going to save him. My father thought they were going to give him more time. And a man whose countenance had fallen began to smile, began to walk with a new confidence. What was that? That was the power of hope. That hope was disappointed. It, the, the treatments weren't working at all. And he would, only, he would die just a matter of, of weeks later. But to me, that was a very powerful picture of the power of hope. Hope has a transforming effect on the human soul. We give up, we quit, and we die without hope. We all need hope. What is hope? Hope is not some sort of whimsical wish. Well, I hope things get better. I hope our political situation changes. I hope the economy turns. I, I hope that he gets well. It's not some kind of wishful thinking. Hope is, is actually, and it's Elpis, it's Elpis, which is Elvis with a P, Elpis in, in the Greek. It's actually a very confident expectation. Hope is a confident expectation. Amen? Believer, Christian, follower of Jesus, you need to be living with a confident expectation. 
We need to be living with hope. Amen? Not some whimsical wish, but as we're going to see as we go through this message, we, we have a lot of substance to stand on. The Bible talks about faith being the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Another translation said it this way, that hope is the conviction that we will receive what we have been promised. The conviction. Hope is the conviction. We, we need to live with conviction. That's hope. That's real hope. It's a confident expectation. It's living with conviction that what God says is going to be established. That the promises of God are yes and amen. That God is not a man that he should lie. That if he has spoken it, it will come to pass. Amen? That's, that's hope. Hope is living with conviction. Some of us need to get some conviction that what God says is a reality. That what God has promised, that every promise of God is true. And we stand and we hold on it. And we endure with that. See, sometimes we don't see the manifestation of those things in our time, uh, time frame. The way that we want to see things happen. The way that we, I mean, let's be honest. How many of us can look back over our life? How many of you thought your life would unfold the way that it would? When I was a young man, we, we planted the church in Texas. I thought I was going to pastor that church for like 40 years and just live in Texas my entire life. God had other plans, right? And there have been lots of disappointments. There were lots of bumps. There were speed bumps and uh, just all kinds of trouble, potholes, you name it, on that road that God has let us down. But God's got a plan, and he's bringing his purpose to be in our lives, right? And I thank God for that. I'm glad, I'm glad to be in Clarksville, Indiana. I'm glad to be a part of Return Church. I'm glad I'm not in Texas. I'm glad I'm not pastoring that church. God, his plan is far greater. Amen? And I'm going to trust and endure. Whatever comes my way we, we, or your way, we need to learn to endure that. Hope allows us to endure that way. I want to I give you a picture. We're going to go through some scriptures in the book of Romans, and I want to give you a picture of what, what hope really looks like. Abraham was a man of hope. He was a man of hope. In Romans chapter 4, it talks about old Abe. And it says of Abraham, against all hope, Abraham and hope believed. Against, I love this, against all hope, I mean, hopeless situation, against all hope, in hope Abraham believed. And so he became the father of many nations. That, that statement right there is, is so important because that's really what this matter is about, him becoming a father. That this, this is where it says against hope. I mean, you think about this, a hundred years old. His wife, not far behind him. His wife barren, un unable to bear a child. And the Bible says that against that, in a hopeless situation, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as, as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Check this out in verse 19. It says, without weakening in his faith. Without weakening in his faith. How many of you know the enemy is after your faith? The faith wants, uh, the, the enemy wants to grind you down. He wants to wear you out. He wants you to give up. He wants you to quit. He wants you to give, to give up on all hope. The enemy is after our faith constantly. 
Because everything in God's kingdom is established by faith. Everything in God's kingdom is established by faith. This, this whole thing of God's kingdom operates by faith. And so the enemy is after our faith. But it says that without we, he did all of this. He, he endured this situation. You think about all those decades of the promise of God sitting there unfulfilled. And he didn't consider his own physical body. He didn't consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. He refused to weaken in faith. God said this, and I'm going to hold on to the promise of God. He faced the fact that his body was good as dead, and since he was about 100 years old, that Sarah's womb also was dead. Yet he did not waver through belief regarding the promise of God. So we're talking about the promise of hope today. He regarded the promise of God and was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. He regarded the promise of God. We need to regard the promise of God. We're going to talk more about the promises of God here in just a minute. We need to regard. We need to esteem. We need to hold dear. We need to write down. We need to memorize. We need to hold the promises of God. He regarded the promises of God. He was strengthened in his faith. And he gave glory to God. In a hopeless situation, Abraham continued to hope. He had faith. He didn't waver. He was strengthened. And in an impossible situation, he was strengthened in his faith. See, that, that, that's what should happen to us as believers. When we go through trials that are attacks on our faith, they work to strengthen our faith if we lean into Jesus. That's the reality. If we hold to the promises of God, we will be strengthened in our faith. Despite opposition, despite struggle, despite circumstances, despite any situations, we can hold the faith. We can hold to the hope of the promise of God and grow in our faith. That's a reality. Romans 5.5 5 says this. It says that hope, such hope, never disappoints or deludes or shames us. When we hope in Jesus, when we hope in his promises, we, we will never be disappointed. We will never be deluded. We will never be shamed. I, I, I say this all the time. If, you know, we, we know that scripture, hope deferred makes our hearts sick. See, how many of you have hoped for something and it failed? You hoped that marriage was going to work out. You hoped the check was going to come in the mail. You hoped you were going to get that job and it didn't come through. What happens? Heart sickness. How do we avoid that? Put our hope in the promises of God. Put our hope in Jesus. Put our hope in eternal things. When we hope in the eternal, we will never be disappointed. When we hope in the promises of God, we will never be disappointed. You hope in man, you hope in a job, you hope in a situation or circumstance, you hope in a political figure, you hope in a system, you hope in a whatever, you, you put it, you insert it. If it's temporal, it's going to disappoint you. But eternal things never disappoint. Faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of the things not seen. Faith and hope, they, they work together. When, when faith is dead, hope becomes impotent. If we're without faith, our hope won't work. It will fail us. But when hope is missing, faith then becomes directionless. We need a hope, right? 
We need a godly ambition, a godly aspiration, a godly encouragement. It gives direction to us. It gives direction for our faith. It's important. Amen? Romans 12, 12. We're walking through Romans, and Romans talks a lot about hope. In Romans 12, 12, it talks about rejoicing in hope. Amen? We can rejoice in our hope. We talked about, about the joy of the Lord, the joy of Jesus last week. We can rejoice. We can have joy in hope. Amen? If, if you've got hope, you will have joy. We're going to see how this, this comes together in just a minute. Let's look at Romans 8, 24. Romans 8, 24 says, We were given this hope when we were saved. So we don't have to look for hope. You don't have to buy hope. You don't have to steal hope. You don't have to conjure hope up. This is not something you work up. Like It's in our soul. We need to remind ourselves. Hope, hope is there. It, it was given to us when we were, we were saved. We were given this hope when we were saved. It says if we already have something, we, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something that we don't have, we must wait patiently and confidently. How many of you know that not everything of the kingdom is going to be received here in this life? I'm looking forward to new bodies. I mean, I'm looking forward to this body where I can eat a sandwich and walk through a wall. We have the hope that in, in that kingdom there will be no more sickness, there will be no dying. Somebody, somebody said that, preacher, old preacher, somebody told him he was going to have a, uh, at the Lamb Supper, uh, uh, that he was going to have a, uh, a steak dinner. The preacher said to him, well, if you do, it's going to kick all the way down because there's going to be no more dying there. So whether that's true or not, I don't know. If it, if that interpretation of the scripture is true, we're all going to be vegetarians. So I don't think that's right. But we have a promise of better things. And that's not an empty promise. I'm going to get to that at the end of this message. That is not an empty promise. We have a promise of better things. Amen? And so as this passage says, we can wait patiently and confidently for them. I mean, again, what, what is hope? It's confident expectation, not some whimsical feeling, not some whimsical, wishful lifestyle. It, there, there, there's a, a confident expectation and hope. Romans chapter 15, verse 4 says, such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for the promises of God to be fulfilled. So in this patient waiting, let me encourage you, read your Bible. Read the scriptures. Read the scriptures because it will give you hope. A lot of us are without hope because we're not in the word. The word. It, it's, the, it's the promises of God. It is the promises of God. And when we read the scriptures, when we read God's holy word, it fills us with hope. Okay? And I said a minute ago, this, this hope is not baseless. There's a lot of reasons. Let me, let me give you a great reason why this, this hope is not baseless. This hope we know is not baseless because of the character of God. See, if you're going to hope in me or hope in you, that hope is eh. 
because I got clay feet and you're faulty. I have weaknesses. I have deficits. I have shortcomings and I will disappoint. I promise. You'll disappoint. But when we hope in the things of God, we will not be disappointed because of the character of God. That's why we've got to be acquainted with our God. Job says, acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. Thereby, good will come to you. We, we need to be acquainted with God. Being acquainted with God gives peace. And, and we're talking about peace next week. So these things, joy, hope, and peace, they go together. We're going to talk about peace next week. When we're acquainted with God, we receive these things. Knowing God, Jeremiah, and, and that's, that's Job, by the way. Job, who lost it all, right, whose, whose children died, whose wife said curse God and die. His, his house fell in. He lost his, his, his business. And in the midst of that, he says, acquaint yourself with God, and you'll have peace. Amen? There's joy in knowing Jesus. There's hope in knowing Jesus. There's peace in knowing Jesus. Jeremiah says it this way. This is Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 3. Actually, the Lord speaking to Jeremiah says, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. This is God speaking to, through Jeremiah to his people. Don't, don't glory in wisdom, in might, in riches, but glory in this, that you understand and know me. That I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. This is talking about knowing God, knowing him and his character. That, that, that he is a God of, of loving kindness, that he is a God of judgment, that he is a God of righteousness. When, when we know this, it gives us hope. When we know the character of God, it gives us hope. One of my, my favorite Bible teachers, my mentor in, from Bible college, uh, Dr. Van Gill, he, he, he taught a, a principle, which is this, that, that, that the promises of God are windows through which we can view his character. That's why you need to get into the word of God. Because in every, behind every promise, there is a God. And that promise reveals to us his character. When it says that he shall supply all of your needs according to your riches and glory, that's, that, that is showing to us a God whose character is that of a provider. Right? When it says that promise that by his stripes we were healed, that's showing us the character of God who is a healer. In, in nature, it's his, 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 his name, Jehovah Rophi. Right? He is the God who heals. That, that is his character. He doesn't change. That's, that's, who he, that's his, the essence of his being. Every promise of, of God, yeah, and, and, and we, we tend to knock you know, that, that theology that's based around the, the promises of God and omits all the commandments. And yes, commandments are important, but hey, the promises of God reveal to us the nature of God, the very essence of who he is. You see, whenever you come to me and ask for something, I'm going to either have to reach into my pocket or go into my goodie bag or go to my bank account and make a withdrawal to give you something. But God doesn't give out of his pockets. He gives out of his person. 
He gives out of the very essence of who he is. God does not give out of his bank account. He gives out of his being. Right? And he's a God of abundance. He's a God that is a God of exceeding abundance that, that never runs out. He is never diminished. Right? All-knowing, all-powerful. He lacks nothing. Right? And that's why we can bank on the promises of God. That's why we can stand in hope when everything seems to be falling apart and say, my God's got this. I've got a promise and I'm standing on that promise. The diagnosis has come, but I've got hope in the midst of this sickness. By his stripes, I am healed. And I'm standing on that promise. See, all of the promises of God are based in his character, his loving kindness, his judgment, and his righteousness. Everything that God has promised to us is based on his very nature. And it gets, it gets even better than that. It gets even better than that. When we talk about hope, one of my favorite scriptures in hope is Colossians 1 and 27. It says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of his glory, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, Christ is in you. That's the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory, the hope of eternity. The hope of God and all of his excellency is Christ in you. That's the great hope. Christ in you. We talked about the goodness of God, his loving kindness, his judgment, his righteousness. It's in you. It's been deposited in you. Like it said in Romans, what was that? Romans uh, chapter 8. This was given to you when you were saved. This thing was deposited on the inside of you when you were saved. That's why we have hope. Because all of the goodness, all of the loving kindness, all the righteousness, all the judgment of God is within us. At the new birth. This is why I believe it is so important for us as, as Christians to be full of God's Spirit, to be baptized, to be dunked, to be immersed, to be uh, pickled in the Spirit of God, to where it overcomes our, our, our every ounce, every fiber, where it permeates every crevice of our being, to the point where when somebody takes a bite out of you, you taste like Jesus. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. When you are wrong, you don't punch somebody. When you are wrong, you don't bite them. When you are wrong, you don't cuss them. When you are wrong, you don't tell them off. When you are wrong, you don't put them in their place. When we don't live that way. Why? Because Christ is in us. That's the hope of glory. That's, that's what, when a person is truly pickled in Jesus, whatever happens to us, whatever we go through, what, wherever we are in life, no matter what the situation or circumstance, we respond like Jesus would respond. Christian, we, we need the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We need for the, 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 the very nature of God to come and overtake us, to overwhelm us. I, I loved, uh, a lot of you know of John, uh, Joel Osteen. I loved his dad, John. John was an amazing man of God. And he used to preach, man, he was such a powerful preacher, and he would preach about the baptism, the baptism. And I, he wasn't talking about that water baptism. He was talking about the spirit baptism. What's that? Is it the Christian, Christian Businessmen Association? Is that the 
organization, whatever that's called. He was, he was a part of that Christian Business and Fellowship, whatever they call that. He was a part of that, and he went into one of these meetings, and in the middle of that, he got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And from that point on, it, it transformed his ministry. That big church in Houston that was there, it was built because of that encounter that John Hagee had in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. John, Hage, or John Osteen laid a foundation that built the, uh, the, what, what, where that church now stands today. It was because of that encounter that he had with God. And every time that he would preach, he would talk about the baptism and the urgency of the Christian to, be, to, to have that baptism, to be full of the Spirit of God. And I think we all need to speak in tongues. Paul said, I pray in tongues more than all of you. That's what Paul said. I pray in tongues more than all of you. Jesus said, these signs will follow them that believe. They will speak with tongues. That's the scripture. Peter said the promises to you, to your children, and to all that are far off. Acts, Luke says that, that it, 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 quoting Jesus, he said, when the, the Spirit of God comes upon you, you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and the Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. The Christian life is a life of baptism, being immersed in the Spirit of God. And, and this is honestly, the baptism, I believe, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Christ in us, His Spirit filling us, indwelling us, changing us, transforming us, is ultimately, when, when He says, Christ in you, the hope of glory, this is what He's talking about. Can I give you another scripture to show you that? In Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1, let's look at verse 13. He says, you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. You were marked in him with a seal. What is it? The promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Again, the, the Holy Spirit is the indicator to, to us that we are not without hope. How many of you have ever hoped for something? How many of you, um, when you were a kid, you hoped for something for Christmas that you did not get? My wife told me this week a story. She, when she was a little girl, she wanted, how many of you remember the glowworms? Y'all remember that? It was a little warm with batteries. You just unzip the back, set the batteries in, it's head lit up. A glow warm. My wife wanted a glow warm. My mother-in-law went to the store and bought a glow warm because she knew that Rachel wanted it. She brought it home, and when she got home, my father-in-law said, what is that ridiculous thing? Take it back. <laughs> and so Rachel didn't get her glow warm. How many of you have ever hoped for something that you didn't get? Every one of us in this room. How many of you stood there whimsically wishing for it? Every one of us in this room. When we hope in the promises of God, that is not what it looks like. Here's what it looks like. I'll give you a, the, this is the most perfect. When it talks about the Holy Spirit being the earnest, the down payment of our inheritance that we're going to receive, this thing that we're ultimately hoping, we're looking for the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, his kingdom being established. This is ultimately our hope. And, and, and we're not like some kids on Christmas whimsically wishing that this is going to come to pass. Let me tell you how it is. I, I've got a credit card. And every single time I use that credit card, 
my wife receives an email. And it tells her how much I spent and where I spend it. So if I go to the store and buy that one thing she's requested, she knows the, 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 where to buy it at and the price range of it. And so when I go to use that credit card at the, credit, at, at the store, she is going to know what she's getting for Christmas. That's why I use the other credit card that she doesn't get emails about. But the Holy Spirit is the email that has come that says Jesus broke the bank for you. The Holy Ghost is eternity rushing to the human soul. That's why he says, if that spirit is in you, it will quicken your mortal body. It's eternity hitting the human soul. And that which we are desiring for comes alive on the inside. This is the kingdom of God activated through the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is not some physical thing. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Holy Spirit of God is the earnest of our inheritance. You know how I know that Jesus is going to come and set his kingdom up? Because his spirit came to me. See, this is the gospel. Not just that Jesus came, a little baby in a little cradle in a manger. It's that Jesus came and lived for 33 years as one of us. That he dwelt amongst his people. He was acquainted with every human condition. He understood our sorrows. He understood our griefs. He understood our disappointments. He understood what it felt like when our hope would fall. He understood everything of the human condition. And then he went and died for us on a cross for you and for me because we were at war. We're going to talk about this next Sunday. We were at war with God. We were at odds. In fact, if you are outside of Christ, if you are not saved, and if you are not born again today, you are at war with the God who created you. And so Jesus went to die for us, to bring the peace of God. And he rose on the third day, and he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And he says, as you see me ascending, so shall I come again. I go and prepare a place for you. Go and tarry. Await for the promise of the Father. See, this is the gospel. The gospel doesn't just end with the, the death, burial, and resurrection. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. And, and the Bible says that Jesus gave the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he couldn't do that until he had been crucified on that cross, risen up out of that grave, and ascended to the right hand of God and glorified. Only then could he pour his spirit out upon flesh, as it was promised by the prophet of Joel. This is the gospel. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. That is the great hope. And it's the, it is the, just the pledge penny. It's the down payment. It's the email that we received that says, hey, God broke the bank for you and he has reserved a gift for you and a place for you in his kingdom. That's what the Holy Spirit is to us. The Holy Spirit is the assurance of the resurrection. The Holy Spirit is the assurance of the kingdom to come. The Holy Spirit is the assurance that we have been born again. Christian, I want to tell you that we need to experience the power of God's spirit I, I believe we have done the two things that the Bible tells us not to do. We have grieved the Spirit and we have quenched the Spirit. We need to be a people of the Spirit who are wholeheartedly 
going after the Spirit of God and all that it has for us, embracing it in every way. I want tongues. I want prophecy. I want the word of wisdom. I want the word of knowledge. I want faith. I want healing. I want the administrative gift that comes from the Holy Spirit. I want all of it. I want to receive the fullness of Spirit. I want to see the body of Christ operating in the fullness of of the Spirit. And not some circus sideshow, but the reality of the power of the Spirit of God operating in his people that makes us potent and powerful and deadly to the kingdom of darkness. Amen? That's what I want to see. We have a great hope. Amen? We are not without hope. We can be sure. How many of you have been filled with God's Spirit? Amen? We can be sure that we have the hope of the kingdom of confidence. Confidence. Faith. Not whimsical wishing, but confident faith. Church, let's stand together. We have our Christmas production today. By the way, if you're wondering where the announcements were, they were at the beginning of the service. So we're we're changing that up. But we do have our Christmas production today. 5.30. Our worship team has done a magnificent job. Our kids, phenomenal. And this is just an extra plug from a very proud dad. My daughter has a solo. She's amazing. And by the way, Jerry, Jerry Downey sings like Frank Sinatra. I don't know if you knew that. Our Christmas production, no, I'll take that back. Bing, Bing Crosby, my favorite Christmas singer. Our Christmas production is this, this evening. And, and we're going to have a great time at fellowship afterwards. Refreshments downstairs. Uh, Clarksville Fire Department will be here with their truck and bus and the kids, whatever they're going to do. It's going to be cool. Tonight I'm talking about the perfect gift that comes down from above. I, don't know, I can't remember if I've told this story here, but when, when my mom was uh, pregnant with me, my dad's best friend, his name was B.R. Davis, bought my mom a big piggy bank. It was a big red pig. And I was told as a child that was my, my piggy bank. So I filled that thing up with everything I could get my hands on. I remember my cousin came to visit. She was a teenager. I was, I was about four years old at this point. And she came to visit, and I stole all the money she had in her purse, put it in my piggy bank. <laughs> Confession. It's good for the soul. And I remember when that thing got really full, like so full I couldn't pick the thing up. I wanted to open my piggy bank. It was one of these ceramic deals. It did not have like a port to take your money out. It just had a little slot to put it in. I begged my parents and they said no probably a hundred times. Let me open it. I want to see how much money is in. They wouldn't let me do it. So I had a room that was upstairs and I had an idea one night or one day. I don't remember what time it was. I remember rolling my piggy bank to the top of the stairs. Yeah. (laughs) Sat right there at the top, and I just went. (laughs) 
Hit the ceramic tile at the bottom. And the money just went everywhere. Looked like a million bucks. I see in the picture of that pig hitting the bottom of the floor a picture of the gospel. God's riches came down. The bank was broken for us. Because of the act of Christ, what he did for us in the gospel, we have eternal life. We have hope. That hope's better than my wife's credit card statements. It's more sure, because at the end of the day, I got to pay that bill. We have a hope, and it didn't cost us a penny. Amen. Some of you need some hope, some of you are discouraged. Some of you are away from God, away from Christ. You don't know Jesus. Some of you do, but everything in your life is just dropped. And you feel like you're in a dark pit. I want to invite you in just the last minute, minutes of our service to come down to this altar and have an encounter God, with God, to seek God, to seek him. I want you to come down to this altar and I want you to pray, Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost. Fill me with the power of your spirit. I try to do good by my kids. But you know the Bible calls me an evil father. It says that about you too. We give good gifts to our kids. But if we, being evil, can do that, how much more our father, who is perfect in his loving kindness, perfect in his judgment, perfect in his righteousness, per perfect in his character, how much more can he give us a gift? And Jesus, this is Jesus teaching, he said, if you will ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit, he will give it to you. And it will manifest in tongues. It will manifest in prophecy. It will manifest in your life through words of wisdom, words of knowledge, through healing, through miracles, through administrative gifts that come from the presence of God. I want us as a church to come to this altar, everybody who wants to be full and receive what I believe is the great promise, the pledge penny of our inheritance. I want you to come. Man, people are already coming. Come and just seek the face of the Lord. I believe God is going to meet us. Father, in the name of Jesus, as people are coming, Lord God, I pray that you would meet them. Your word says if we will draw near to you, you will draw near to us. And so we come today, we seek you, Lord God. Lord, we declare right now, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We bow our knee, Lord, to you. We humble ourselves before you. Father, I pray, fill us. Fill us, everyone, Lord God, as we respond, fill us with the power of your spirit, Lord God. Father, I pray for hope to come to people's lives today. I pray for an encouragement to come today, Lord God. Father, I pray for the, the blessing of the great promise of the Holy Spirit. Your word says, if we would ask you for it, you will give it to us. So, Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, fill us up, Lord God. 
permeate our being, Lord God. Saturate us, overcome us, overwhelm us right now by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that everyone in this altar today has a tangible experience, Lord God, that they would fill you, Lord God. Come and indwell, Lord God. Come and sit down upon us. Come and inhabit our temple, Lord God. Father, in the name of Jesus, fill us and saturate us, Lord God. We thank you for it. We give you praise for it. Change and transform us, Lord God. Father, give us a hope. Give us a, a, a confidence, Lord God. Give us a pep in our step, Lord God. Lift us up, Lord God. For everyone who's discouraged right now in the name of Jesus, Father, I pray for the joy of God to come. I pray for the hope of God to come to our lives, Lord God. I pray for everyone that has enmity between you and them, Lord God. I pray that that enemy would be that enmity would be dissolved in your presence, Lord God, that the conflict, that the distance, that the chasm between you and them would be dissolved right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, your word says that there's only one way. There's only one way to have salvation. There's only one name under heaven and earth given among men whereby we must be saved. It is the name of Jesus Christ. There's no way to have relationship with you. There's no way for us to receive this promise, this hope of eternity, Lord God, but through Jesus. Lord, I pray right now that if there's anybody who does not know you, Lord God, spark in their spirit today, Lord God. Revive their souls. I pray that today they would be born of the Spirit of God. Today they would be changed. Today they would be transformed in your presence. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I want us to worship for just a minute. Is there anybody that would say, I don't know the Lord. I do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I am not saved. I don't know that I am born again. If, if there's anybody here, I, I want to see your hand. I want to pray with you. Anybody? Anybody? Amen. Young lady, I'm going to pray with you in just a minute. Anybody else? Anybody else? Amen. As my wife sings, I just encourage you, worship. Seek the, the face of the Lord. I'm going to minister. If you need salvation, come and meet me right down here in this altar.